Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Come on, if you love Jesus, why don't you put your hands together, make some noise. Come on, you happy to be in church? Do you like your entire row? Just look down real quick and make sure. It's not too late to get up and move. I'm kidding, don't do that. Listen, I am overjoyed to be here. I love this church. I love your pastors. And uh, I'm excited for this 11 a.m. service. And I just want to say off the bat that uh, I believe daylight savings time is of the Lord. I'm just going to throw it out there. I think God created it. How many morning people do we have? Lift your hands. Probably not a lot. How many of you are not morning people? How many of you are not even Christian until after 10 a.m. and a cup of coffee? <laughs> Listen, we made it, and we're here. And um, as Pastor Javon mentioned, uh, Pastor Al and Chrissy are really spiritual heroes to me. But if you've been a part of church for just a little bit, you know that it's not just pastors that run a church, but there is a staff and there are leaders and there are volunteers and there are people that pray and then people that set up and administrate and decorate and greet at the door and get here early. And this blessing that you are experiencing right now publicly would not happen without people sacrificing privately. So can we put our hands together for every volunteer, every leader? Come on, everybody that makes Chicago Tab happen. It's amazing. Um, my wife is here with me, which I'm so grateful for. Her name is Nicole. She wasn't spiritual enough to get to the 9 a.m., so she came to the 11. Come on, it, it takes a real Christian to sleep in and get to the 11 a.m. service. I'm just saying. Um, but I want to show you a picture of my entire family, if that's okay with you, and then we're going to jump into the word. But this is my wife, Nicole, as I mentioned, my son, Kanan, my daughter, Zoe, and as you can see on the end of the picture, we're actually in the process of adopting, which we are excited about. And, you know, it was actually part of this process of adopting that inspired some of this message that I'm about to share with you today. How many believe this is not just another church service, but before you were ever born, God appointed you to be here in this room on this day and that he has a word for you. I believe that. And throughout this process of adopting, I don't know if you are familiar or maybe you have been a part of this journey, but there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to adoption. We decided to do a domestic infant adoption, which basically means that we are going to have a newborn baby straight from the hospital and anywhere here in the States. But We've done the paperwork and we've done the payments and we've done the classes and now we're in this season of waiting. And the wild thing about it is, will this baby come next week or next month or next year? We are uncertain. Will this baby be a girl or a boy? We are uncertain. What race will this baby be? We are uncertain. What state will the baby come from? We are uncertain. What will the health condition be? We are uncertain. We are literally living in the midst of uncertainty in this area of our life. But how about you? Do you have at least one area of your life by a show of hands where you have absolutely no idea what's going on? Come on, be honest. <laughs> 
You're like, I, I don't know where this thing is going to go. I don't know what's going to happen. I actually believe that we might now might be living in some of the most uncertain times in the history of the world. With this whole pandemic, how will it end up? I'm uncertain. With the political climate of our country, how will it end up? I am uncertain. Will the Chicago Bulls ever be good again? I am uncertain. <laughs> but if we're honest, most of our life is spent in this unknown area, if you think about it. Like there's probably desires that you have in your life of things that you want to happen, but then the actual fulfillment of those desires are all the way over here, but the majority of our life is spent right here in something called the unknown where in some area of your life, you are in a season of uncertainty. I have a desire to be married, but where is my spouse? I, I don't know. I've started this business, but will it be profitable? I, I, I don't know. I'm praying for my son or daughter to come back to God. When will it happen? I don't know. Someone that I love was just diagnosed with something. Will they be healed? I, 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 I don't know. I'd like to suggest to you this morning that Perhaps the most spiritual phrase that you could possibly say is I don't know. Because when you say I don't know and you still have a smile in your spirit and faith in your heart that you don't have to know because God knows, all of the sudden you're embracing uncertainty. And this morning I feel like I've been given an assignment to change our perspective on uncertainty. Perspective is a powerful thing. I wanna to read to you a letter that a college student wrote to her parents back home. And it reads this. Dear mom and dad, I have so much to tell you. Because of the fire in my dorm set off by student riots, I experienced temporary lung damage and had to go to the hospital. While I was there, I fell in love with a male nurse and we have moved in together. I dropped out of school when I found out I was pregnant and he got fired because of his drinking. So we are going to move to Alaska where we might get married after the birth of our baby. Your loving daughter. P.S. None of this really happened, but I did flunk my chemistry class and I wanted to keep it in perspective. <laughs> How many know perspective is powerful? <laughs> it's not what is happening to you right now. It's how you think about what is happening to you right now. In fact, I believe there's no better case study in the Bible about uncertainty than the life of Abraham. And I want to read to you a passage that might be familiar to you, but I believe God's about to show us something unfamiliar. Is that cool? I'm going to have you stand up really quickly for the reading of the word, okay? I'm not trying to be traditional. I just don't want you to fall asleep while we're reading the Bible. It's hard to fall asleep standing up. Genesis chapter 12 says this. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Somebody say, show you. Show you. Now say it even louder. Say, show you. show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. 
Abraham receives this promise. He gets a glimpse of the plan of God for his life, and then he steps out into the unknown, into this journey of uncertainty. And if you follow his life, a couple chapters later, we come across another verse that a lot of us probably have never noticed before. All of a sudden, you start to hear the hesitation in Abraham's voice, the questioning, the doubting. Listen to this, Genesis chapter 15. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, here we go, sovereign Lord, how, how, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? He got the promise, and now he's at this position of second guessing. He's like, but God, how, how can I know? Like, I, I want to know, no. Like, how can I be certain? Like, what's the actual plan? Like, what's the 12-step plan? Like, I need, like, clarity is my love language. God, help me here. Help me. I need to know. And how many know that God often doesn't do details? <laughs> and this is what I would like to call, and this is also the title of this message, the gift of uncertainty. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but I believe that uncertainty is actually a gift that God has given you. So let me pray for us one more time. Jesus, I thank you for every uncertain area of our life. We don't know how the job's gonna work out, how the relationship's gonna work out, how that diagnosis is gonna work out, but God, right now we trust you that you are about to speak to us. We pray this in faith as a family, in Jesus' name. And everybody said aloud. Come on, everybody said aloud. Amen, amen. Now listen, before you sit down, I want you to high five, if you're comfortable, the three best looking people in your area. Really quick, okay, just really quick, really quick. Come on, give them a high five. Abraham received a promise from God. I don't know if you've ever received a promise before, but what I have learned in the years that I have walked with Jesus is that one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to deposit doubt in the mind of the believers of God. In fact, I wanna take you back thousands of years ago into a garden, a beautiful garden full of flowers and fruit and trees and creation and the first two human beings ever created Adam and Eve. And God says, enjoy the garden, enjoy each other, enjoy life, be fruitful and multiply, but the one thing I need you not to do is to eat of that tree. How many remember that story? And as soon as God says that, then all of a sudden the enemy has something to say. I wanna show you what happens in Genesis chapter three. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You can rest assured that as soon as God has something new to say to you, the devil will quickly come and say something as well. Did God really say, get up and go to church this morning? Did God really say, forgive that person? Did God really say, give that amount of money? Did God really say, break up with that guy? Hello, somebody. <laughs> Did God really say that? And here we witness the very first seed of doubt 
deposited into humanity. And can I just encourage some people here today and just reassure you that there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is when you question God. Unbelief is when you abandon God. You have to be okay with doubt. You have to learn how to deal with doubt as a believer. I actually believe that sometimes the people that have the greatest faith also wrestle with the greatest doubt. I've heard it say before that on the heels of every dream, there is a demon of doubt. You have to learn how to operate with this reality. I'll never forget when my wife and I first got married. We've been married for almost 12 years now, which is about four Hollywood marriages. I'm pretty proud of us. Come on. And after uh, three years of marriage, my wife got pregnant, and we were so excited. We were going to have kids. We wanted to have kids. We were ecstatic. We were full of faith. It was incredible. And after a few months into the pregnancy, my wife ended up having a miscarriage. And anyone who has ever been through this before knows the emotional devastation. And you have to grieve this, and you have to walk through this, and you have to pray through it and talk through it. And we did all of that. And then time went by, and then a little bit later on in our marriage, my wife got pregnant again. And we were excited, and we were ecstatic, and we were full of faith. But we also were full of some doubts. Because how many know once you've been through something in life, it can start to damage your faith and your belief, and then you walk into the next season with a little bit of doubt. I, let me not get too excited because who knows what's, what's going to happen. Or, You know, I'm excited, but I, I don't want to go too far. And we started to wrestle through this. And I'll never forget, about five or six months pregnant, someone at the Brooklyn Tabernacle pulled us aside and prayed over us. And she began to pray for this pregnancy. And then she began to prophesy over us saying, you will have this baby. It will be a boy and it will be the fulfillment of a promise. And we took that moment and said, you know what, that's not just a prayer, that's a promise. So we started to hold on to it. And then we later went on a baby moon right before we uh, had the child. If you don't know what a baby moon is, it's basically just an excuse to have a vacation <laughs> right before the baby comes. So we go on this vacation upstate New York, and we're talking about this promise and this prayer. We're all excited about it. We're like, what should we name, you know, our son? And, you know, we thought of this name Canaan, like the promised land. And, like, let's, let's, let's maybe think about this name. I like this name. And it's kind of weird, kind of cool, but I like it. Canaan, Canaan, Canaan. Like, all right, I like it. It's at the top of the list. We leave the hotel. We drive down the road. We come to this stop sign. And all of a sudden, I'm like, babe, you got to get out of the car. You, 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 you got to see this. She gets out of the car. I'm going to show you a picture of what she just saw right here. <laughs> Look at that. Come on, how many know that doubts can come, they don't have to overcome? God has a way of demolishing your doubts in the midst of a faith journey. This is what he does. Remember the Israelites, they were supposed to walk into the land of Canaan, yet they went back into Egypt and they ended up wandering around the desert for 40 years and God allowed an entire generation of doubters to die off before he fulfilled what it is that he was about to do. Come on, I don't know about you, I don't wanna be known as a generation of doubters and naysayers and critical people and cynical people. Come on, I wanna be known as a generation that believes God for the impossible, that believes he'll do things that other people don't believe. Come on, clap your hands if you believe that as well. 
Come on, I feel faith in here this morning. I feel faith in here this morning. You know, Acts 2.36 says this, there's no longer room for doubt. In the book of James, it says you have to ask and believe, and when you believe, do not have doubt. You know, there's a difference between faith and hope. Hope is believing that God can do it. Faith is believing that God will do it. Come on, any confident people in here this morning says, God will provide, God will heal, God will come through, God will open up a door. He will do it. But we have to learn how to wrestle with seasons of uncertainty and not allow them to get the best of us. And this is what Abraham did. He had faith, but he also had doubts. And he worked through this. I wanna just illustrate this for a quick second. If I told you that, you know, in my left pocket right now, I had a $20 bill. How many people by a show of hands believe me that there's actually a $20 bill in my pocket? Lift your hand if you believe me. Do you believe it right there? Come up here, come up here. Yep, come up here real quick. There's not a lot of faith in this church. I'm gonna say that right now. <laughs> here, turn right here and face the people. What's your name? Anna. Anna, give it up for Anna really quickly for coming up here. So Anna, you think there's a $20 bill in my pocket? Are you sure? I'm about to destroy Anna's faith. Are you ready? Now why, 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 why did that just destroy her faith? Because as soon as she sees the money, she doesn't need the faith anymore. Are you following me? Watch this. Faith is only required when there are doubts. The moment that certainty comes, faith leaves. You see? That was the beauty of her even walking up here. The beauty was in the uncertainty of it. The adventure was in the uncertainty of it. The mystery was in the uncertainty of it. She was kind of sure, but not really sure. I don't really know this crazy pastor from New York talking about there's money in his pocket. Nobody else is raising his hand, but I'm gonna raise my hand. I don't know if I believe him, but I think I believe him. I'm gonna have faith, I'm gonna walk up here. And guess what, I got good news for you. The Bible always says that faith will be rewarded. So here you go. Come on, give it up for Anna as she goes back to her seat. Now if I told you there was a $100 bill in my right pocket, how many people by a show of hands? That's messed up, okay? I'm telling Pastor Al when he gets back. There are certain things that God can only teach you in a season of uncertainty. When everything is going well and your life is successful and financially stable and spiritually fruitful, you will not learn some of the lessons that you can learn in a season of uncertainty. I'm gonna give you a few of them, are you ready? You can jot these down if you want. You can write these kind of lessons of uncertainty down. I'm not sure if you're aware, but if you take notes in church, you're 87% um, more likely to get into heaven. I'm just gonna say, just gonna throw it out there. Amen. <laughs> Number one, uncertainty creates humility. Uncertainty creates humility. There's nothing like everything in your life being unstable to cause you to be humble really quickly. I mean, if there's anything that an 18-month global pandemic has taught us, 
it is that we are no longer in control. Oh, wait a minute. We were never in control. And God just decided to remind us. Don't have control over the economy. Don't have control over our health. Don't have control over our job. Don't control, control over other people. And guess what this pandemic has done? It has humbled us. And that is a beautiful thing. Uncertainty creates humility in our life. I don't know if you remember that old football movie, Rudy. He was a Notre Dame football player. And remember he walked into the little chapel in the middle of the country and he started talking to that priest and that priest was like, boy, I've been in ministry for 50 years and there's only two things I know. Number one, there is a God. And number two, I'm not him. <laughs> it's amazing the power of humility that comes out of seasons of uncertainty that cause us to seek God. The second thing that often happens is uncertainty creates self-awareness. Is this okay if I just teach for a moment, okay? Uncertainty creates self-awareness. When everything else around you is unsure, this is a great time to become sure of yourself. You know, in church, a lot of times we hear so much about get to know God, get to know God, get to know God, get to know God. You know what's just as powerful? When you get to know yourself. In fact, I believe they're connected. The more that you get to know God, the more that you get to know yourself. And when this is unstable and when this is uncertain and you don't know about this, this is a great time to say, you know what? I'm gonna clarify my own convictions in my life. I'm gonna figure out what's important to me. I'm gonna determine what I like and what I don't like. And I'm gonna decide the people that I need around me and the people that I don't need around me, amen? And then all of a sudden you become self-aware in this season of uncertainty. It's a powerful thing. The third thing that uncertainty will do is this. Uncertainty creates an opportunity to trust. Uncertainty creates an opportunity to trust. Can I just remind you this morning that Christianity is not belief in a statement. It is trust in a person. This is what it's about. And how many know the more trust that you have, the more willing you are to take risk. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know another way of saying that? Without taking risk, it's impossible to please God. This is an element of faith, but you know what we do as Christians a lot of times? We literally create our own comfort zones. And we establish an entire life that even though that we believe in Jesus, we actually cultivate a life that requires no faith. When was the last time that you had to do something that required extraordinary amounts of faith? In fact, Harvard University recently did a study of 100 people that were all 95 years old. How many would like to live to 95 years old? Come on, somebody. That would be incredible. All these 95-year-olds, and they asked them to reflect on their life, and they said, tell me the one thing that you regret the most about your life. And the predominant response that came back from all of these 95-year-olds is this. I wish I would have taken more risk. I don't know about you. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say that. I'd rather go for it and fail than have to get to the end and say, hmm, I wonder what God could have done. I don't know. Come on, when was the last time you stepped out and did something crazy? 
When was the last time you did something that didn't make sense? When was the last time you did something that was not humanly possible, but with faith and trust, you were willing to take a risk? How many believe that no matter what risk you take, God is with you, God is for you? Come on, clap your hands if you believe it this morning. It reminds me of this story as the team gets ready to come out and lead us into worship again. By the way, can we just give it up for the worship team? I mean, they're pretty phenomenal. Like, it's incredible. I've been in a lot of churches, and sometimes uh, the worship is not as good, and you gotta work hard to praise God. But here, it's easy, because you got people up here using their gifts and doing it unto the Lord, and it's a beautiful thing. But before we get ready to pray, here in just a second, I wonder what it is that you're walking through that is uncertain. Because what I love about Abraham is, even though he didn't know what he was stepping into, he was willing to take some risk. Even though he was completely uncertain of what God was doing, he knew who God was. Think about the power of that. You might not know what God is doing in your life right now, but I know who God is. He is a father. He is a friend. He is a provider. He is a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a door opener. And that's all I need is to know who God is, even in the midst of not knowing what he is doing. And it makes me think of um, this story. You know, I read the biography of Mother Teresa years ago and it told this story about this guy who was visiting her in Calcutta in India and before his trip was over he went to Mother Teresa and he said you know will you pray for me before I leave and Mother Teresa looked at him and said absolutely I would love to pray for you what can I pray for and the man said to Mother Teresa I want you to pray that I would have more clarity and Mother Teresa looked at him and she said I will not pray for that she goes, I will not pray that you have more clarity. I pray that you will have more trust. Because when your trust goes deeper, everything else begins to come together. This was the life of Abraham. Look how it says it in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed, somebody say obeyed, and went even though he did not know where he was going, which reminds us of this, my job is not complete understanding, my job is complete obedience. My job is complete obedience. And here's Abraham, at the end of his life, at the end of his journey, we come across this nickname for Abraham, and he is known as the father of faith. Think about that. Abraham went through 12 different tests of faith when you study his life. And there were probably moments where he didn't even know if he was gonna make it, if maybe the uncertainty was just gonna swallow him up. Yet he presses on, and he has faith, and he has trust in God, and then at the end, of the story, he is known as the father of faith. Think about that, the very thing that he was struggling with, he became known for. Whatever hardship is in your life right now, God could redeem that thing so much that it literally becomes the ministry that you stand on and are used by God to bless other people. That's the power of God. 
I think about even my wife who went through that miscarriage. I believe she has a special ministry towards other women who are walking through that. The way in which she's able to talk to them and encourage them and pray for them. This is the redemptive power of God. He can literally take your misery and turn it into your ministry. When you walk with them and you trust them. But I wonder what step God is asking you to take this morning as we just get ready to close. Don't worry about the end of this year. Don't worry about what's gonna happen with the job. Don't worry about how the marriage ends up. Don't worry about the future because you're not in control of the future. But what is just the one step that God wants you to take? Don't ever underestimate the power of one step. You might think this is just another Sunday morning, 11 a.m. service. No, this is you taking a step to get into the house of God for your own spiritual journey. You know, the Bible, it says that the word of God, it's like a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Notice that the word uses the, the analogy of a lamp. Doesn't say a spotlight, doesn't say a street light, doesn't say a stage light, but just a measly little lamp. How much light does a lamp actually provide? Just enough for what? One step. You can try to hold that lamp up. You can try to put it over here. You're not gonna get more than one step. You know, it was said one time that we often want the second step before we take the first step, but that's not faith. All God wants you to do is just take whatever that one step is. Maybe it's just to come to church consistently. Maybe it's just a step into becoming a volunteer here at Chicago Tabernacle. Maybe it's a step to be generous and give and tithe for the very first time. Maybe it's just one step to call someone later today that you need to forgive. Maybe it's just one step in an application that you have to fill out. Obedience is our job. Leave the outcome up to God. But this is the beautiful thing. You take one step of faith and then one step of obedience and then one step of sacrifice and one step of trust and one step of risk and one step of faith and another step of faith and another step of trust. And it never feels like a lot in the moment because it's just one step. But there will come a time where you look back on your life and say, wow, look how far God has brought me. Come on, is that anybody's story? Put your hands together and praise God in this place if he's brought you a long way. So I just wanna push us towards whatever that step might be this morning. The way that Abraham took a step in a season of uncertainty, I wonder what step you're taking. Because Abraham, when he was just taking one step after the next, he had no idea that one day, thousands of years later, we'd be sitting here talking about him being the father of faith, which goes to show you have no idea what's on the other side of just that step. In fact, I, I remember years ago, I took my kids to the zoo. We were walking around in New York and looking at different animals and stuff like that. And we came across this animal that I had never heard of before called the African deer. I'm gonna show you a picture of it just so you can get a visual. And I, I come to find out that this deer has the ability to jump 10 feet high and 30 feet long. I was like, that's incredible. And I'm looking at it and I'm seeing the cage that it's in and I notice that the fence holding it in is like, it's only like three feet off the ground. I'm, I'm not the best at math, but I was like, hold on a second here. The sign says 10 feet high, it can jump 
and 30 feet long, why is the fence only three feet? And then after a couple of questions, I come to realize that this animal will never take a jump unless it can see where it will land. So the fence only needs to be right here at eye level because he will not take a jump unless he can see the exact place that he will land. How many know where I'm going with this? Are we not a lot like this animal? I'm not gonna take a leap of faith unless I know exactly where I'm going to land. Think about it, this deer could literally jump over that fence, tell all of his friends to jump over this fence and take over the entire zoo, yet they are remaining inside restricted to a cage just because they can't see where it is they're going. But how many know that we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We are people of faith. This is who we are. I'm gonna ask you to stand up all over this place. I'm gonna pray for you and we're gonna sing. We're gonna worship, but as you stand, I'm gonna ask you just to close your eyes for a second. I want you to close your eyes, not thinking about the person next to you, not worried about what you're gonna do for lunch, but I want you to close your eyes and focus on your life right now. And maybe you're in a season of uncertainty and you're tempted to say, God, what are you doing? Rather than asking, God, what are you saying to me right now? What are you saying to me right now? This is the gift of uncertainty. Right now in this moment, in the presence of God, you have an opportunity to give God your trust and he will give you his faithfulness. At the beginning of this service, you lifted your hand, representing probably relationships that were uncertain, desires in your heart that have not come to reality that are uncertain financial situations that are uncertain, a rocky marriage that is uncertain, a diagnosis in your family that is uncertain. And right now, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to lift those exact same hands to heaven and begin to give God your trust. So come on, all over this place, if you got faith in your heart, would you lift your hands to heaven and say, God, even though I don't know exactly what you're doing, I know who you are. And God, right now, I thank you for every uncertain area of my life. God, I thank you that I don't have to be in control because you are in control. God, I thank you that I don't have to know all things because you know all things. And God, no matter what happens, I know, I know that I know that I know and I can stand on the authority of your word that you are gonna work it out for my good and for your glory. And because of that, I give you praise. Praise.